Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allen at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well and you're blessed. Um, we are on the subject of God's grace and man's faith. And today I'm going to embark on something new and I'm going to talk to you about the life of faith. And in this, uh, because no study of faith is, is complete without studying this particular aspect of faith. Because you see, faith is not just one thing. Uh, because faith is, is like a, a diamond with many, many facets. And, and you know, when you look at a diamond, when you look at the different facet, it reflects the light in a different way. So it's the same faith, but it just reflects a different quality a different light of faith and often we think faith is one thing that you know that uh, you you believe God's word and and then this happens and this is what you do but faith is is far bigger than that faith is is a life and uh, I want to what I want to do now is from this uh, lesson onwards I want to go with you and study the heroes of faith of Hebrews chapter 11 and it's very fascinating because uh, if you stay with me through this study, as we go through the different heroes of Hebrews chapter 11, we will see, uh, you know, what their faith was because they were commended for their faith. It says that God, uh, God himself bears witness of their faith. So it, it gives you a far broader aspect of uh, what faith is. And uh, you will learn some interesting things that you probably have never heard before. Now, uh, in Hebrews, actually, we start in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 37 to 39. These are the last words of Hebrews chapter 10 before we go into Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 10, verses 37 to 39 say this, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. So what the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying is that um, he who will come, that is Jesus, he's talking about the returning of Jesus. Jesus will come and he will not tarry, which is interesting because I've often people say if the Lord tarries, you know, if the Lord tarries, which means if he waits. But it's obviously from this scripture that God has a set timetable and he's not going to tarry. So <clears throat> now what would our response be to the fact that Jesus is coming back? Now, this is, the, is verse 38. It says, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, what he's saying, it, it doesn't say that the just shall act by faith when faith is needed. He didn't say that, that, you know, you live ordinary and then when you need faith, when you come in a crisis, you, you kind of shift into faith gear. You know, that's not what he says. He says the just shall live by faith. That means your life is a life of faith. You live by faith, you breathe faith, you talk faith, faith, you think faith. So the just shall live by faith. So faith is 
a way of life. Now, another thing I must, I'm, I'm reminded of, I've heard many preachers talk about, well, there have been different waves, you know, they have this charismatic wave and there was this healing revival. Then we had the word of faith wave and all these waves have gone and now uh, faith, the word of faith doesn't have any relevance and so we have moved on to other things. Now, let me just say this, that is pure nonsense because faith is not a wave, it is not a move, it is not a, uh, it's, it's not like the laughing movement that came and for some years people were on the floor laughing on the ground, holy laughter, then that stopped, you know, no, faith isn't a wave or a fad that came through and left. Faith is a way of life. A lot of things will come and go, but faith will always be there because we are called to live by faith. Faith is not a move. It's not a movement. There's no faith movement. It is a way of life. And it says here that the just shall live by faith. That means those who have been justified by the blood of Jesus shall live by faith. And then it says, there's a warning, but if any person draw back, if anyone says, you know what, I don't want to live by faith. I think there's too much of tension. They always have to believe God. And, and I just want to live like Kesara, Sarah, what will be, will be. I don't like this whole thing of faith because there is a, an element uh, of faith where you don't really have control because you're always seeking God's will, always seeking God's purpose. And then you're always pressing forward to it. And, you know, often you're going to, into the unknown. You have to trust God. And most people don't like that kind of thing. They want to just kind of go with the flow. But he says, any man draws back from the life of faith. He says, hey, my soul shall have, shall have no pleasure in him. That means those who don't like faith, those who don't want to live by faith, uh, the Lord says, I will not be pleased with them. But then this is what the writer of the book of Hebrews says, and this will set you at ease in verse 39. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. That means we are not, but we are not of those who draw back unto destruction because here's the really bad thing. If you draw back from faith, you end up in destruction. So he says, that we are not of those who draw back, pull away from faith into destruction, but we are them who believe to the saving of the soul. And in the Swedish Bible, it says those who win, you know, so we are winners. If you are a person of faith, you're always going to win and you shall make it and you shall be an overcomer. You shall be victorious. Amen. So now let's go. Now this is, is the preamble in a sense that that we are the just and we are going to live by faith and there's nothing in us that tells us to pull back but we shall press forward in in faith and go ever go wherever God tells us wherever the Holy Spirit takes us so now in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 to 3 this is the beginning of the chapter uh, 11 the great chapter of faith <coughs> it says here now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now this, this verse, I should say, in a way, is the best uh, definition of faith you will find in the scripture. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for. There are two statements here. The first one says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, and faith is the evidence of things not seen. This is this is really fascinating. 
So let, let's look at them. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So actually, if you put these two statements together, you'll find that substance and evidence, substance in the first statement and evidence in the first, in the second statement are actually synonymous. And things hoped for and things not seen, those are the second part of the first and second statement. They are also synonymous. So you could put these two statements together and say this, that faith is the substance or the evidence of things that are hoped for and not seen. Okay, now let's, let's look at it. What is substance or evidence? Substance or evidence, like for example, if you, this is kind of legal language, you know, if you are in court and they, a crime has taken place, say for example, someone has been killed or something, you know, uh, they want evidence, they want substance, they want something tangible. And one of the things they look for, where is the weapon that was used? That's very important for them, whether it was a gun or whatever, you know, whatever uh, crime it was, whatever was used to, to commission that crime, they want evidence, they want substance, they want something that they can present in court and say, this person did this using this. So that's faith. So when you talk about evidence or substance, evidence or substance are something that you can actually see and touch and hold in your hand, okay? So faith is the substance or evidence of things not seen and are hoped for. Now, things hoped for are things that do not exist in the present, but they exist in the realms of hope. Hope is always in the future because, <clears throat> for example, I don't, I don't hope that I had this pen because I already have it. It is already in my hand. Hope has to do with things that do not exist that exist in your dreams or they exist in your imaginations. They don't really exist, but they exist in your dream and in your imagination. So things that are not seen, things that are hoped for, are things that are unseen in the sense that they are not tangible right now. You don't hold them in your hand right now, but they exist in the future. They exist in your hopes and your dreams. All right. So faith, listen to this. This is fascinating. Faith, what it does is the substance or tangible evidence of things that exist in the future or exist in the realms of your hope. What that means is that faith takes things that do not exist now but exist in your hopes, in your dreams, exist in the future and faith reaches into the future and takes those hold of those things and brings them into your presence as substance and so that instead of hoping for them, you say, I have it now. You understand what I mean? Because if you say, I'm going to I'm going to have this, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to get it, it's still hope. But what you do is that faith gives substance or tangible or touchable or holdable substance or evidence 
to something that doesn't really exist in the physical, but it exists in the realms of your hopes, in your imagination. So what faith does is faith takes things that are that only exist in the realms of your hopes and in your imagination and faith takes hold of them and possesses them and brings them into your now and you possess it and say, I have it, I have it, I have it. And then someone might say, where is it? If you say, I have it, you say, I have it. So then he might say, well, uh, how can you say you have it? I don't see anything. And then you say, if the word of God says that something belongs to me and the blood of Jesus has purchased it for me, then I have every right to possess it and to say that I have it. It is mine because God says it is mine. Even if I don't see it, even if I don't feel it, even if I have so far only been hoping for it, I take a hold of it and I have it now. Do you get that? Faith is always now. Faith takes a hold of things that exist in the realm of your hopes and you take it by faith and you possess it now. That's why uh, hope says, you know, one day God is going to heal me. But faith says that Jesus Christ has borne my diseases, carried my pains, and the word declares that by his stripes I have been healed. So I know that I have been healed. Amen. That's what faith says. Hope says that, well, one day I shall uh, have enough money to do this. But faith says that I am a child of God. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ and everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to me. So I have access to the riches of heaven and they are mine now. So I believe that I receive it right now in the name of Jesus. And by the way, even, you know, even if physically I don't have it, I can begin to give because that's one thing the devil can never stop you from doing is being a giver. You can always be a tither. You can always be a giver and you sow seed. And then that reality comes to pass. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is interesting because faith looks into the future and takes a, the see, faith sees something. Faith sees something that God has promised. It sees what God has spoken to you about in his word. That's why just because you imagine something that doesn't make it, you can't just transform into faith. That's why I'm saying it's not mind over matter that, you know, oh, I want a Cadillac. So I see a Cadillac. I'm hoping for, for a Cadillac or a Rolls Royce. And, and so I take that Cadillac in denial and I begin to say, I have a Cadillac. I have a Cadillac. That's not faith. That is foolishness. Faith applies to things that God has spoken to you about. God is Jesus is the author and the finisher of the faith. So it always begins with him. It always begins with a word from God. So you can only have faith for things that God has spoken to you about by his word or by his spirit. You can't just make things up and say, well, I have faith for this and I have faith for that because then everybody would be doing that's foolishness. But I must say this to you that when but there are things that God has promised you in his words, like healing belongs to you and uh, 
uh, like for example, you want your children to be saved. There are promises in the word for that. That is something you can take it by faith and financial provision that belongs to you by faith. You know, there's many, many, many things that God has actually promised. Then there are things that are specific to you when it comes to your ministry and your life and specific things that God wants you to do and and you need resources for that and whatever resources, spiritual or material, God makes it available to you. And so that's what I mean is that faith always comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith begins when you have heard from God. You can't just say, well, I feel, you know, it would be nice to have this luxury, this, that and the other. And so I guess I'm going to believe God. You can't do that. God has to put it in your heart by his word or by his spirit. And so when he does that, and that's when it exists in the realms of hope, but you reach out into the future, into the hope, into the realm of hope, and you take a hold of it by faith and you possess it and say, I believe it, I receive it, and then it will happen to you. Amen. And you see that all the way through Hebrews chapter 11, how the heroes of the of the book of Hebrews, how they all looked to the heavenlies and they saw something in the heavenlies and they took a hold of it and they pursued that with all their hearts by faith. So it says, anyway, let's carry on. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And verse two said, for by it, the elders obtained a good report. That means by faith, the heroes of faith who lived before us, they obtained a good report. By who? By God. That means that they please God by their faith, so much so that the whole Bible is actually a testimony of who God is. But Hebrews chapter 11 is full of testimonies from God, God testifying of men. The whole Bible is man testifying of God, but Hebrews chapter 11, God testifies of men and women who pleased him by their faith. Faith pleases God. They pleased God by their faith. And so because of that, God himself testifies of them. Hallelujah. So it says by faith, the elders, that means those who have gone before us, they obtained a good report. Then it says here, verse three, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of out of things which do appear. Interesting. This is great. It says that by faith, it is by faith, we understand that God created everything we see. The universe, the planets, the earth, the animals, human beings, everything God created by his words. <coughs> so that the things that we see, they were not made of things that are that are seen so the the things that we see were made by something unseen they were made by the word of god by the word god created and formed everything and it's not that god took a little bit of this and god took a little bit of that and made the trees no god spoke his word and created all things so the word of god is the power of god amen so now let's look at the first hero of faith that's in verse four. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Now, faith 
is a sacrifice because Abel and Cain were the two first children of Adam and Eve. So what happened was that when it came time to sacrifice uh, to the Lord, and I'm just giving you my paraphrase, what happened was that uh, Cain was a, like a farmer. He grew fruits and vegetables. So he picked some fruit and vegetables and made a nice, beautiful offering of a fruit basket or whatever and brought it and put it upon the altar. Abel, on the other hand, you know, he was a shepherd and he wanted to, he thought, I was, God has been so good to me. I want to give to God, not just something that is good and beautiful, but I want to give him the best I have. So he began to look through his property to see what he could give to the Lord. And finally, he came to the place where he kept his flocks. He was looking over his flocks and then he saw this little lamb that he loved so much. I mean, that lamb was his prized possession. Wherever he went, Abel used to carry that lamb. So he said, I will sacrifice this lamb and give it to God because this is what I love the most. And so he took that lamb and he held it and he took a sharp knife and with tears falling down his cheeks, he sacrificed that lamb and he put it upon the altar. Cain's offering was a beautiful offering, but Abel's offering was a sacrifice. Cain gave an offering, but Abel gave a sacrifice. And that's why verse 4 says, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He was not trying to outdo his brother, but it was his faith. His faith was such that he wanted to give an offering to God that would be a sacrifice so that a sacrifice is something that hurts. An offering you can give, anybody can give an offering, but a sacrifice is something that hurts. And Abel took his most prized possession, that lamb that he loved so much, and he slaughtered, he killed that lamb and put it upon the altar with tears rolling down his cheek. He made a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And God looked at uh, at Cain's offering and Abel's sacrifice. And the Bible says that God rejected Cain's offering and he accepted Abel's offering. And that is why the, when the first murder took place, Cain was jealous and he killed his brother. But it says that it is through his making that more, more excellent sacrifice that God testified of him that he was righteous. It was because of his sacrifice, God testified that Abel was righteous. And it says that God testified of a gift, of his gift. And because of his sacrifice, because of his gift, Abel, although he has been dead for 6,000 years, his faith still speaks. Hallelujah. That is the power of a sacrifice. That is the power of faith. Abel came to the Lord with faith and he gave to God a more excellent, not an offering, but a sacrifice. He made a sacrifice that hurt. It cost him something. And because he made that sacrifice, it says that God 
testified of him and he was righteous and God testified of his gift and because of his sacrifice although Abel has been dead for 6,000 years he still speaks hallelujah his faith is still speaking for him so faith is a sacrifice beloved let us live this way let us live lives of faith and lives of selfless love and sacrifice and sacrifice to the to the father and make sacrifices for the gospel and let us uh, uh, let us sacrifice to get the gospel out to the lost to those who have never heard before let us give to the lord and give our all to the lord but more than your money god wants your life he wants your heart before he wants your possessions but once you've given your life your heart you've dedicated dedicated yourself to him then you can give him off your money and your possessions but sacrifice that's what it's all about faith is a sacrifice abel offered unto god a more excellent sacrifice than cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous and god testifies of his gift and although Abel has been dead and gone for 6,000 years. His faith still speaks. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a wonderful thing is. So that was the first aspect of faith. Faith is a sacrifice. And let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are hearing your word. I ask you to bless them and bless their families. Touch them, meet every need you have, they have, Father. Father, you have said that you would bless our food and water, turn every sickness away from us. Bless them. Bless all of us, Father. Put your hand upon us. Cause us to grow and to walk in faith that we may serve you and bear much fruit for your glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's it, my brothers and sisters. I'll be seeing you again tomorrow and we'll continue on the subject of God's grace and man's faith and especially about the Hebrews chapter 11, Heroes of Faith. God bless you.